Hey everyone, Rajiv Nathan, co-host of the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast here. I want to let you all know that the Season 5 premiere is right around the corner. We will kick off Season 5, Episode 1 in one week, August 1st, 2016. We invite Srinivas Rao back onto the show. He joined us in Season 2 during our road trip, and he's actually got a new book coming out. We've got a phenomenal conversation we had with him that we cannot wait to share with you. In the meantime, enjoy this best of episode, a classic from Season 3 with Thomas Edwards, where we discussed how do you prove yourself wrong. Have a listen in, and we'll catch you next week when we kick off season five. Hey, Martin, what's up, buddy? Oh, the usual. What? <laughs> that, was the worst. that was that was the most awkward response. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just trying to be free as this song. This is Wait a second, no. You can't tell me it's wrong when I'm trying to be free as this song. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Idea Lemons Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan. I am the co-founder of Idea Lemon and your show's co-host. I'm alongside my co-founder and co-host, Martin McGovern. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the show where we have kick-ass conversations with really dope people, people doing interesting things like entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians, and we sit down and we have conversations about life, pressing questions that rattle around in our brains to help us all understand what are we doing and how can we do it better and how can we create some change in this world. In this episode, we sit down with the professional wingman, Thomas Edwards. Thomas has been called a real-life hitch, and you can't teach that. But what you can do is learn from Thomas, because as a professional wingman, he is a dating coach for men. He helps men, and actually now women, find love in their life. Not just the short-term love, the long-term love. He's helped thousands of men having trouble with dating discover what really attracts great women and overcome their own insecurities so they can have great, long-lasting connections with the kinds of people they actually desire. In this episode, we talk with Thomas about something that is very relevant to his work, something that we all struggle with on a daily basis, and that's confidence. Specifically, we ask the question, how do you prove yourself wrong? I think we all go about our days, we all think about events, things we could be doing, and we find ways to convince ourselves that eh, we're not that guy or we're not that girl. But we talk about in this episode how to get over those insecurities and prove ourselves wrong. Before we go into the episode, a quick reminder, if you have not checked out idealemon.com yet, Go over there, subscribe to our newsletter. You will never miss an episode of this show. You'll also be in touch with the whole Discover Your Inner Awesome message and some really cool stories that we share to help you unlock your inner creative genius and perhaps help you become the one that does create change in this world. All right, let's listen to our conversation now with Thomas Edwards, the professional wingman, talking how do you prove yourself wrong. Let's listen in. I work with a lot of clients who, when it comes to taking action, they're pretty much paralyzed, and they're paralyzed for a lot of reasons. I always, I always joke around when it comes to when it comes to guys' uh, unwillingness to approach a woman. I always say it's either because they're clueless, they're lazy, or they're scared. <laughs> um, but when I'm with them in that moment, and they're trying to decipher, like, can they do it or are they going to do it? 
what I realized is that they have this little person in the back of their mind that's giving them all these excuses as to why they shouldn't do it, or they're creating, they're helping them create this story uh, that actually isn't true. They're, they're trying to convince this little person in the back of their mind is trying to convince them that what they're telling them is reality when in fact nothing has actually happened yet, and it's instilling fear, anxiety, apprehension, all these things that are being created through our imaginations when nothing indeed actually hasn't happened yet. No one is in danger of being hurt physically. Um, you, know, you know, the woman is not going to turn around and slap them for whatever particular reason. Um, not, you know, everyone's not quietly waiting for that person to make the move. You know, there's all these things that are going through our mind. And so I always, there was one night a, a couple years, a couple months ago where I said, you know what, what's the little man telling you? And he was telling me all these things. And I was like, well, if he says that you can't talk to her, then why don't you try to prove him wrong? And he goes, what do you mean? Well, I was like, well, if the little man's telling you to not talk to her, why don't you just disobey him and go talk to her? And he goes, I can do that. And I'm like, yes, you, I'm giving you, I'm giving you permission to do this. And sure enough, he went over and, you know, the conversation went as well as it could have. And he came back and I was like, see, like there's, there's no blood, no one's dead, no one's going to jail and you have a smile on your face. And he goes, dude, I, you know, I feel like a new person. And, and since then it kind of just made him realize whatever excuse he gives himself, he should try to prove himself wrong. And so the, the idea came up again when I was actually talking to um, a few of my buddies where uh, he tries to ignore the little man altogether. And I said, no, 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 don't ignore the, the little man. Just listen to what he has to say. And if he's telling you, you know, nonsense, prove him wrong. And he goes, that's amazing. And so that's why it was fresh in my mind in, in terms of why it's important to try to prove ourselves wrong when we, when we are trying to limit ourselves from doing the things that we most want to. Yeah, so, Martin, I feel like you probably had like a million like, yeah, moments yeah, in there. <laughs> Especially oh, given on, the, conver- you know, the things that you've been figuring out in the text game over the last uh, week or so. Yeah. <laughs> or not really figuring yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of it, so, okay, I, I like that idea that we have the voice in our head. This has come up on a couple podcasts recently. Um, and... The other thing you said was permission, and yeah. that's something that in like every yeah. conversation we've been having with our community, with our students recently, permission is is like one of the biggest things that I don't think people realize that is a barricade. Like it's you need to give yourself permission to do something. It's not someone else telling you you can't do it. It's you t- for whatever reason saying oh, I shouldn't, I can't do this because I'm not that kind of person or whatever it might be. Yeah. So where do we think those like permission blocks come from though? Like obviously you've got the little voice, uh, disobey the little voice, right? But yeah. what what are the things that maybe influence that little voice that uh, created these sort of blocks in our head as well? Because I think sometimes you have to come to terms with them as with the causes as well yeah. as you're kind of trying to dig into these things. Well, I think a lot of it comes from lack of experience. Right, like we don't. There's not enough data point, so to speak, to for us to be able to say, "Oh, like I've done this before, so I can do this again." Or maybe they've done it before and a bad, and they and it turned into a bad experience, and so they have that scar in their brain um, that they always look to when it comes to. And that's the, that's the, that's the, it's the it's the amazing thing about our brain, right, and our senses. It's like 
once we smell something, we can immediately go in our archives and remember the first time we smelled that thing or how we felt when we, when we smelled those things. The same thing happens when it comes to social situations where if you have a bad experience and that scar stays with you, the next time you're even remotely close to that similar situation, your mind immediately is going to go to the emotions that came from having that bad experience. And it's going to make us feel like, oh, we shouldn't do that. We, you know, last time it didn't work out so well. Or maybe, you know, that I wasn't supposed to do that to begin with. So I'm not going to give myself permission to try again. And sometimes, you know, that, that little person in the back of our brains are, is, you know, that they're so powerful that really they can convince us to do anything or even to justify why we should or should not do something. And so when you have someone on the outside kind of disrupt that pattern and say, dude, you can totally do that. You have, I give you permission. And it's almost like the, the words I give you permission resonates with so many people where it's like, mm-hmm. wow, like he gave me permission. So I'm going to do it. Cause I, I don't even know who this guy is, but he just gave me permission to do that. <laughs> you know, because because every because my entire time, my you know throughout this entire existence, I've been told that I haven't been given permission. And who's and who's this person not giving me permission? It's simply the little guy in the back of your mind telling you that. It's not anyone else. You know, and if it is, it's only because those people are just as afraid of you uh, to do those things. You know, and and are, and are trying to project that on you so they don't feel like they're alone. And, and them feeling that lack of permission. Yeah, and I never, you kind of triggered something in me. I never realized, uh, we talk about permission a lot, and I'm always saying, you know, give yourself permission to do things, but just the act of me telling someone to give themselves permission is me giving them permission. And yeah. so it's like, I'm not even, re- like in my head I, this whole time, I've been thinking, you know, they're the ones giving themselves permission, but it's almost still a layer away from that. Um, yeah. where they're still kind of saying, oh, well, this guy told me I'm allowed to give myself permission, so now I can go give myself yeah, permission. Yeah, yeah. so here, here's, a, here's a very simple example that I love to use, and hopefully you'll enjoy this. So when, uh, so let's say you know a, a guy wants to approach a woman, or even a group of women. What I see nine times out of ten, before I even you know institute my coaching, is I'll see, go and watch them, and I'll see them and hear them, and the first things that come out of their mouth is excuse me and I immediately think to myself huh. what are they what are they excusing themselves for and I asked them like why why do you say excuse me like well I, I felt bad I didn't want to uh, interrupt I felt bad interrupting them and I was like do you realize when you say excuse me you're saying excuse me for existing <laughs> like <laughs> don't don't excuse yourself to for to exist you know what I mean like Give yourself permission to exist. Like you're not interrupting anything. As human beings, we're social by default, and we're allowed to try to connect with other people. It may not necessarily work all the time, but you don't excuse yourself or be sorry for existing. In fact, you're giving you're giving everyone in that particular situation permission to exist, including yourself. And so it's one of those things where we, instead of giving ourselves permission, we we tend to give ourselves excuses. And those excuses kind of justify either our state of mind or the beliefs that we're trying to establish in our, you know, in our systems. And it's just, it's a very uh, not good cycle to have. (laughs) 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 I don't don't even want to say bad. Not good. Not good cycle. (laughs) I like that positive spin on that. (laughs) I think, so I totally agree with what you're saying. and And I think what we're, what we're failing to see, I think, as people is the snowball effect that that creates if you 
aren't allowing yourself to do something or if you aren't giving yourself permission. So, you know, if you, if you inherently think like, oh, I'm bothering someone, in that situation, you're like, my worth is less than that person's worth. So you're already, you have one battle or one hill to climb to just be like, I need to, the excuse me is like just to try to get onto their level, right? Mm-hmm. And then once you've already climbed a hill, you're pretty tired. And now it's like, so you got to climb another hill after that? So you're, you're fighting the uphill battle if, your own, if you're discounting your own worth or your own, uh, I guess, reason for being in a situation in the first place. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, sometimes there are structures that do exist. Like if you are, if you, if you have a boss, right, there are certain, uh, there's a certain etiquette to have when it comes to um, how you communicate with them. But if you are meeting someone that you don't know for the first time, like you should be treating them as their, as your equal, you know, and, and, and that's irregardless of what you believe your worth is. You know, it should always be seen as equal. Um, not never more or never less, always equal. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's really, really important. And going back to, uh, beliefs, you know, I, I, you know, the belief cycle is very, very powerful. And, uh, what I see a lot of my clients go through is they'll take things to the next level in a way that's very destructive. So I, I always feel like our state of mind, uh, basically determines everything, right? So let's say we're in a pretty bad mood. And all of a sudden now we shift into, you, know, you see someone you want to talk to. Let's say you see this attractive you know, girl at the bar. She's really cute and you want to talk to her, but you're in this really shitty state of mind. And all of a sudden now you have this hypothesis of, you know, I, I don't think I can talk to her. She might be out of my league, but you know what? Like, and then eventually you might convince, and then all of a sudden you convince yourself, all right, I'm just going to do it anyways. Now your actions and behaviors are going to be predicated based on your state of mind and that initial hypothesis that you're creating for yourself. And so you may not think you're doing it, but your body language is screaming, I'm not good enough for you. And now all of a sudden she's going to respond to that I'm not good enough to you by her treating you as if you're not good enough. And all of a sudden, not, you're, you're, and then all of a sudden now your belief is not, oh, see, that's why you know, I shouldn't have talked to her because she was out of my league. Your mind automatically goes to, see, that's why I shouldn't talk to any women mm-hmm. because they're out of my league. And now all of a sudden, this becomes your belief. And, it bec- and then it creates this cycle where now all of a sudden, every woman you look at that you're interested in talking to is out of your league. And there, ha- there, there has to be ways where you can disrupt that cycle. And I, and I work on that with my clients all the time. Yeah, and, and, and I think leading, well, leading to the, leading to the idea of proving yourself wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, and and part of that too is, um, if you are in the bad state of mind, you know, if you're a little upset or whatever, it permeates you know to the body language, it permeates to the littlest things like you know your brow might be a little bit more furrowed, um, and you don't even realize that that's the case, or yeah. perhaps like you know, the mannerism that you grab a drink is just a little bit more aggressive than it would be otherwise. And all those things, you know, you don't notice it, but it's those little subconscious things that are happening that someone else is inherently taking note of. And they may, they're not, they may not even reject you because of that, but it's setting the wrong tone for the interaction that you're about to have. Yeah. Because it's all about first impressions. They don't know who you are. I mean, you could be the most famous person in the world that they don't know. And if you have really bad body language that's based on your state of mind or this hypothesis that you're creating for yourself, she has no choice or that person has no choice but to respond to what you're giving them. You know, And so 
you know, what if there was, a, and what if there was a world where if we go back to the hypothesis of you believing that she's not in your league and she's out of your league, what if I were to tell you that there was a chance where she wasn't in your league? What would that look like? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, I'm, and it's, not to, it's not to, you know, put her down in any way, but it's just a, an idea to, to kind of change your thinking of how you would approach the situation, how you'd behave around her, how you would act around her. It, it changes the, the entire context of that interaction, and it could be just as powerful. I, I think as well, uh, to go back to the idea of, you know, the, the league thing as well as, like, you're having permission to be there. This is something Martin and I were talking about over the last few days with the idea that what happens in situations, and it doesn't have to be dating, you know, it can be business, it can be formal or social or whatever, but uh, when you don't have enough, I guess, belief in your own reason for being there, you become very reactionary in the conversation or in the dialogue, and you aren't able to put your, you, you feel much more hesitant to put your own thoughts in. Uh, which means you're just kind of like serving up platitudes and just playing, you know, playing niceties with the other person, which isn't necessarily making you, you know, it makes you like fine, but it's not providing anything to the situation. It doesn't show who you really are. Right. Yeah. I call that playing it safe. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. That's the very, <laughs> I use platitudes and niceties, but playing it safe is a it's much more uh, normal way to say it. Yeah. No, but, no, but I, but I get what you're saying, though, because, I mean, obviously, like, what I mean by playing it safe is that you're going to say something because you don't want to upset them or you don't want them to see you in, in, a, in a, a light that might be negative. But all you're doing is, uh, like Martin was saying, like, you are actually holding back elements of who you are from that person, and they actually are not experiencing the real you. And playing it safe is not going to get anyone anywhere. I think most things that happen in this world that we love or, or cherish are based on decisions that weren't safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pushing the comfort zone. It's going beyond, um, and even, even the comfort zone thing, which is, it's easier said than done, obviously. Of course. But the way you are able to test the comfort zone is to, to what you said earlier, to have data points. If, yeah. you're, if your basis for comparison is you have no basis for comparison, then of course it's going to be scary as hell. Yeah. But once you get one bait, you know, it, the first interaction might go terribly, but now it's like, okay, well I have that to beat. I, I'm sure I can beat that the next time around. <laughs> yeah. And chances are you do. And now you have two data points. It's almost like a video game where like you are building, it's like an RPG, like you're building experience points and you're leveling up <laughs> every time you have a breakthrough in that moment. And you could have multiple level ups in one interaction if you if you know depending on how the interaction goes and how you're feeling as it go as it uh, evolves but it's it's always important to have those experience data points in order to look look back and say listen like i've had previous success well what did i do that, that made it so successful you may not even know but at least it's good enough for you to know that there was success and you, <laughs> and to give you enough motivation or enough momentum to try to recreate that success again absolutely um, I, I really like your analogy of like almost kind of like a video game where you're getting these points and you're sort of building experience and things like that. Yeah. Um, we, we kind of, we, we teach a lot of our stuff sort of in the mindset of like Mario as well. Yeah. I actually, yeah. I, I just spoke at a college class yesterday about like career and how to think about your the career ahead of you. And I created something called the super Mario strategy where I, 
I played the first level of Mario, the original Mario one. And, you know, I was like, so you start with all these questions looming overhead and you're like that first part of the level where there's a question blocks. And then it's like, but if you knock out these questions and then like he hits the little mushroom box, I'm like, then you start to grow. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. It went over well (laughs) to, to a, to a crowd that was, I think born in like 1998. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> How about yeah, we don't say that? That's incredible. Uh, <laughs> so what are some ways that you're like proving yourself wrong in your own life? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I always, I like to ask myself questions, um, no matter in what circumstance I'm in. And so I always think about, well, so for example, I actually did an assessment um, of 2015 and I gave different aspects of my life a rating from, you know, on a scale from one to 10. I actually got it from uh, Noah Kagan, who did that for himself as well. Yeah, I heard about this. And it was really, really interesting for me to kind of give like an unapologetic perspective on it. And the two things that I felt weren't as great as, I mean, everything can get better. But the one, the two things that I thought weren't as great as they could have been were my health and my general like lifestyle. And there's a lot of questions I started to ask myself, such as, you know, can I eat better, for example? And you know, obviously the answer is yes. And it's like, all right, well, <laughs> am I eating better? And like, the answer is no. <laughs> it's like, well, well, why? And then the, the moment I, I, I ask myself why, I now keep track of everything that I say. And I wonder, and I, and I determine, is it an excuse or is it a reality? And nine times out of ten, they're all excuses. So now I'm at a point now where I'm just like, all right, well, prove yourself wrong. Go one week without eating any junk food. Or, you know, go one week where you wake up and you have, you know, a glass of water, yogurt, and a banana a day and see what happens. Or go, you know, instead of going, uh, you know, have one less drink every time you go out and see what happens. Prove yourself wrong. Prove that you're capable of doing that. And so... That's the part where I'm trying to prove myself wrong because now I look back at my Instagram photos and I see that I actually looked a lot better. <laughs> than I, I mean, not to say that I don't look good now, but it's just I looked much more fit. And yeah. I want to be able to recreate that. And there was, there, for whatever reason, I got complacent. And the little guy in my head was saying, dude, you're fine. Like, don't worry about it. Have that extra you know, burger or have that extra bag of chips. And now I'm just like, no, dude. Stop telling me to eat that because it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm now going to prove you wrong and show you that I can I can get back to eating healthy and have those habits there. So, um, you know, that's one way I'm looking to prove myself wrong. Another way I'm trying to prove myself wrong is, uh, which sounds weird, is that I'm trying to prove that I can have more fun. And uh, <laughs> what I mean by that is, I have uh, I'm, I'm trying to change the definition of how I have fun. The way I had fun in 2015 was a lot of going out with my friends, partying, staying up late, having drinks. And one of the things I actually want to get more in touch with in 2016 is playing video games. And I, (laughs) now, now my, in in my, in my, uh, when I graduated from college, my dream was actually to create video games. I wanted to be a video game producer. And so my passion has always been about video games before it became about, um, social skills and development. And so I thought to myself, well, why am I not playing video games more? Or why am I not spending nights playing video games? And the little man in my head said, dude, you're 30 years old. Like, be a loser <laughs> if you are spending, you know, your Thursday night playing video games. 
I'm like, you know what, dude? I'm going to prove yourself wrong. So <laughs> I have it actually in my – not only do I have it in my schedule where I, I'm the, I play video games one hour a day. That's during awesome. My, but I actually will put in my schedule video game dates with myself. <laughs> <laughs> Just to prove a point that you can actually be 30, be cool, and be able to have a, a, a night where you only play video games. That's Shameless. Great. Yeah. Okay, so this is like a whole Pandora's box for you to explain. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, so the other night um, uh, we had a meetup in Chicago, and one of the key things that – there's two points that you said. The first is um, giving your – it's it, the whole idea that it's okay to spend time with yourself. Yeah. And then the second piece, which is um, choosing your own fun and not just doing what other people think are fun. Um, both yeah. of those topics came up the other night, and the first one was like, Someone's like, I just wanted to stay home on a Friday, but then everyone convinced me to go out, and then I was, like, exhausted the whole next week. And it's like, you know, because for some reason in our head, we don't give ourselves permission that, like, staying home and just taking some time for yourself is actually a, an okay decision. Like, it's it's yeah. not like your entire world is about to crash down on top of you. And yeah. I, um, I do experiments where I go, like, months without drinking, and, like, just try and test my social anxiety and stuff like that. And um, I remember the first time I did that, about three months into the four months, uh, I hit a weekend where people stopped asking me to go out because I was like never wanting to go to bars anymore and I didn't really yeah. know how to handle it. And I remember I was sitting at home on a Friday night and I did. that was like the first time I didn't get any text messages to do something. And I was like, I had like this minor little panic attack which was quickly followed by, wait a second, that means that I get to just read a book and go yeah. to bed. This is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And the next day I woke up at like 6 a.m. and went for a run. It was just, it was amazing. And then what was the other, what was the second piece that I was talking about? Um, going to the bar, the permission aspect. No, but there's, I forgot the first part. I tried to say both at the beginning so I wouldn't forget one, and I still forgot one. <laughs> but... <laughs> We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, I think, no, but that's... Yeah, no, totally. I, I think what you what you both have mentioned is really important because we don't feel like we're allowed to actually be interested in things that we are interested in. Well, that's it, yeah. yeah. Um, deciding your own fun. Uh, not not piggybacking on what other people think are fun. Yeah. Like, if you don't want to go to that movie, you don't have to go to that movie just because right. everyone else wants to go to that movie. Yeah, it's... Um, it's the, you know, there's this concept we've been talking about on and off over the last six months or so called leaning into your weird. And mm -hmm. the more you do that, the more you start to do things you actually enjoy. You know, like the fact is everyone's weird. So just own the amount of weird that you are. Uh, and what happens then is you start to actually, you know, build more of a social circle or build more of a interest, whatever around things you actually want to do. So like if you stay in and play video games more often, You'll probably find more friends who come out of the woodwork who are like, dude, I want to play video games too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and here's the thing that I am learning just even like the first couple of weeks. And it's, it's going to be weird to say out loud, but I feel like it's important to say it out loud. Like you can decide to go out and hang out with your friends whenever you want. You don't necessarily have to go when they say they want to go out, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I think sometimes when we are put in a position where they're giving us the offer to go out or to not go out, FOMO automatically kicks in. And we live in probably the biggest FOMO point of our, you know, in our lives. It could potentially get worse. Who knows? But FOMO is very strong. And 
when you feel like you might be missing out on something and don't realize that you can have the same exact experience tomorrow if you so choose, it makes you like put things in, in perspective, you know? And you can have fun in so many different ways. And, and kind of talking about leaning into your weird, my, so today's my wife's birthday. And Happy birthday, I, birthday wife. Yeah, and you know, so, so as, as this podcast is going on, this conversation, she texts me because she left uh, earlier today on a mission to find a Carvel ice cream cake because that's what she wanted for lunch. And I was like, wait, I can just go to you know, the supermarket and grab you ice cream cake. She goes, no, 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 no. I need a Carvel ice cream cake. And so <laughs> she literally just texted me. She was like, oh my gosh, I found one. I'm so excited. And I was like, you are fucking weird. <laughs> but, but, but the thing about her is, she is someone who embraces her weirdness so much so that I even I look up to her in that regard. Like she, you know, asked me like she asked me like, did you get me a birthday present? I get I was like, no, I didn't get you anything um, this year. I was just gonna take you out. And she goes, well, could you get me something? I'm like, yeah, babe, whatever you want. She turns around her laptop and she shows me these like really expensive markers. And I'm like, what do you want these markers for? She goes, oh, for my adult coloring books. That's and become I, and such like, a popular thing. Yeah, you know, and I don't know like. I mean, personally for me, I have no opinion about it. I think if it's good for people, then it is. And if it's not, it's not. Uh, but I know for her, because she's so excited about it, it's probably a very cathartic experience. So, of course, I'm going to endorse that and get her those markers, you know. It's still kind of weird to me, <laughs> you know, that she's going to be coloring. Yeah. You know, but, but it's her happy, you know. And, and I like the fact that she's weird like that. And, I can, and I've been learning a lot of, of, from her about her weirdness, you know. So it's... There is something to be said about definitely leaning into your weird and really embracing that because who knows, maybe your weirdness becomes something that's influential amongst, you know, your social graph. Yeah, and it's uh, – I, I really think it's it's the way you you encourage the creative side of your – or how, you know, whatever side of yourself you want to encourage, that's the way you do it is by being like, no, no, it's, 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 it's not a bad thing that I enjoy, you know, X, Y, or Z. It's a great thing. Let me just do that with my spare time. And then the, the spare time becomes, all right, I'll do that with more of my time. And then, hey, there's other people who like this too. Uh, I just, I, I had a funny, a friend sent me a funny text a couple of days ago, uh, or yesterday actually. He goes, so I'm a huge WWE fan. Um, and tomorrow, WWE's minor league system is in Chicago. It's called NXT. Yeah, NXT. NXT, NXT right? So, <laughs> so my friend texted me and he goes, he goes, you going out this weekend? And Martin and I have a ton to do work-wise, so like my weekends are just pretty booked working. But I am going to NXT for like a four-hour block tomorrow I've afternoon. I've been meaning to tell you. <laughs> That's awesome. So, <laughs> I, so, I, so firstly, as a, so, so ironically, I'm a huge WWE fan. And nice. anytime my wife comes in and, and sees me watch like Raw or SmackDown, I love NXT, so I'm usually watching that. And she like... She kind of reminds me of um, the current NXT Women's Champion Bailey, <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, babe, yeah. So I'm like, oh, babe, like you're you're on right now. You got you got a championship match. <laughs> She's like, you're so weird. You should just so play like, Bailey's so entrance she, music whenever she walks into the room. I know, exactly. <laughs> like, 
it, Bailey's entrance is everything that my my wife would enjoy. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like little air little air puppets and like the sideways ponytail and like the wrist little wrist yeah. wristlets. Like, uh, yeah. So like totally. I mean, and, and you're gonna by the way, you're gonna have a great time. Like a, a live <laughs> oh, event. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is, so, yeah, well, so a few things based off that. One, I'm pumped that you also like wrestling, so we're going to probably be – we're going to be better friends after this. <laughs> uh, I, I am considering starting a blog called Monday Night Raj. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <I love> it. <laughs> um, so on top of that, as you were explaining Bailey's thing, Martin is shaking his head like, what? I have no but idea so Martin, what we're talking context, about. <laughs> Bailey is the – NXT Women's Champion. NXT is the minor league system for WWE. I'm and picking her, up And her this. character, like while she enters the, when she walks down the ramp, she has the wacky waving, waving inflatable. No way. Go up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just described as a wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. So that's, that's right. just me on the side. Yeah, exactly. And her t-shirt says, I'm a hugger. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm going to NXT tomorrow. So my friend's like, hey, are you going out this weekend? I go, most likely on lockdown because of work. Except for going to the WWE NXT show. That's their minor league tomorrow afternoon. And then he goes, attending a minor league sports minor league. You're killing it, man. <laughs> and your response is? I just said, <laughs> No, your response should be, yeah. damn right I am. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I think it's hysterical that he says that. I mean, yeah. he, he's, he, he watched uh, the last couple of pay-per-views. Yeah. With me and I'm going to WrestleMania this year, too. So, um, oh, But geez. all these things are like... You know, I had a period of my life where I, like, hid that I liked wrestling because it was this kind of, like, you know, armpit of American society. But yeah. now, you know, the last, you know, three, four years but now it's so, a chokehold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you it's know, like I go I mean, all in on it. You know, I think what's really funny is that my – my I've always been a fan of wrestling since I was a little kid. And there was, there was a time frame in probably between 2005 to 2008 where I wasn't watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then – for whatever reason, I saw WWE as a very interesting business model. And so I was very much more fascinated with like how they create characters, how they like boost them up, what makes a heel, which is like considered a bad guy, yeah. what makes a baby face, which is considered a good guy, like how they like shop their merchandise, like like a startup would. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. thought the whole idea was just very fascinating to me. And so a lot of things that I personally employ in terms of my branding strategy or marketing strategy yeah. or even as a character when I'm on a podcast or on a TV show, a lot of it I've learned actually through watching WWE. It's really interesting. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I actually was writing something recently, um, just like for like a worksheet we have for something. I was writing out like why I like WWE, why I liked it as a kid and why I still like it now. And I kind of like, you know, like a journaling way, like went through my own transition of my fanhood. And over the last five, six, seven years, it's really transitioned to, the same thing that you're saying where I'm like, I'm very interested in how they develop the story, how they're able to get a character over, you know, now it's watching it from like an analytical, it's still enjoy it, but now it's watching yeah. an analytical lens. And like, it's to the point where I watch it yeah, enough where yeah. I can like see them calling spots in the match, you know, like where they have them in a headlock yeah, and you'll be yeah. like, go off the ropes next kind of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but all that stuff. And I, I think what's really to tie in the last part that you said there, about you know doing more work that you enjoy and all that stuff and leaning into the weird is because you know you and I have continued to watch wrestling and we've kind of advanced the reasons for why we're watching it same as you I look at how do we employ what they're doing there into our own business and yeah. and I'll, like one of the things I haven't had Martin do yet that I want him to do is watch the Breaking Ground reality series um, which is for oh, everyone yeah. listening which is a reality series about the NXT league 
showing like how you create a character and all that stuff and how they make people likable and how they are able to develop both the athletic side and the performance side of it. Cause I think all that is important for and helpful for what we can do with our business, especially, you know, recently where we've realized where we're taking idea lemon is, um, should, should I release the Mars to release the, the Mars? Okay. So what we've come Sounds to like a wrestling move, <laughs> release uh. the Mars. so for context here, uh, we've been thinking over the last month or so about what is our mission to Mars. And that comes from, uh, are you familiar with Elon Musk's work? Yeah. So he's trying to create a 1 million person civilization on Mars and like, he's not going to stop till that happens. And it's this, you know, crazy out yeah. there goal, but he's, he's damn determined on making it achievable. So we've been thinking about what is our Mars and what we kind of came to this morning was it's crazy. Cause it's something we talked about four years four ago, years ago yeah. which is it's a, it's actually, it's a quote from Tupac where he said, I'm not going to change the world, but I guarantee you, I will spark the brain that will change the world. So where we've like our, our Mars now is to find the brain and spark the brain to change the world. And given that, where we say the way we can get there is by being an education platform that is entertaining as hell. So how do we make yeah. how do we make it as fun as possible to learn so that we can inspire people to do amazing or you know get past creative blocks, uh, have confidence to do work they want to do, and prove themselves wrong, prove themselves wrong, <laughs> you know, unlock that inner creative genius that they have. You know, which is you know, our whole thing is the show is discover your inner awesome. This is one avenue in which we're doing yeah. that. Um, but given that that's our Mars, I, I, I really see me like, you know, I, when I watch Raw every week, I learn from that. And I'm thinking, all right, how can like what they did there? And since since you watch it, this will be a reference both you and I know and any other wrestling fans listen. I, I could not yeah. believe at the last pay-per-view they got Roman Reigns over as a good guy in a matter of like five minutes. Like everyone yeah. hated him forever and then he just <laughs> beat up the boss and now it's like, oh, we all love him now. Yeah. And it's really funny because you think about how the Royal Rumble when he won last year, they booed him. Booed and, even, the and even The Rock couldn't save him. You know what I mean? Like that's how <laughs> over, like that's how not over he was. Right. And, it, and this whole thing, and it, it's so ironic because, and you'll get this, this whole thing is basically a recreation of what used to be Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. Right. I mean, this, is, this is a reality era version of what used to be, you know, Stone Cold versus exactly. Uh, you know, and it's just very interesting to see that it actually worked again. You know, right. uh, um, but you know, kind of tying it all together though, I feel like I keep in my mind. I keep thinking to myself, man, like there's so many times where I have to play the heel. And there are other times where I have to play the baby face. You know what I mean? And I, and, I, and I think it's part of based on how interactions are going. And I think what makes uh, conversations, and especially like this, very dynamic, is that there has to be some polarity going on. You know what I mean? Like you and I are, are kind of geeking out over WWE while Martin's like, I don't know what he's talking about. That's what makes these conversations fun because it's always going to be something new and interesting to learn. Martin may not need to end up liking WWE. He doesn't have to, but I think he can show appreciation for how like excited we are when we talk about it because I'm sure there's other things that he could talk about that he could, he could be just as excited about that we're completely clueless about. Absolutely. Do you pay it. attention to Batman or superheroes at all? <laughs> Spider-Man's my favorite character, man. I mean, yeah. but, he just um, dubbed Martin a real-life Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Or Egon from the Ghostbusters. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> 
But um, but I think what's what's ultimately important is that that's what encourages me to want to that that's what kind of tricks me into feeling like it's fun to meet new people and it's no longer scary or it, there's no anxiety necessary to meet new people because I know that in any dynamic there will always be. You know, it, it, maybe there'll be two baby faces, but the more exciting conversation for me is when there's a baby face and a heel and there's a little bit of a back and forth that happens. And so if you allow yourself to explore what could happen if you were to talk to someone new that you didn't know and be and have permission to be your true self yeah. and and, you know, prove yourself wrong, all the things that you thought were true that were that are clearly are not, you're going to have these amazing not only interactions but these amazing connections that form that could be short-term or they could be long-term. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, really what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah. It's yeah. So a couple of things on that and, and you know, while it might be polarizing or Martin is sitting in the back and like, I don't know exactly what they're talking about, but I can appreciate it. But <laughs> it's also, this gives Martin permission to talk about and like, you know, while I bring the wrestling side to our business, Martin brings the comic book side to our business and yeah. like, you know, the material we create. So like the current online class that we've, that we have students going through like section one of the course is be like the rock section two of the course is be Batman. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And this is where we say like the more creative spins we can put on education, you know, things that are typically dry, how can we make this entertaining and fun to learn and something like you look like, and we treat the class as a talk show that the student is a guest on instead of just like you're sitting in class. Uh, and these are the kinds of things where we're like, the more we explore the things we actually enjoy, we can bring those into our business and make it something that gets us even even more excited to be doing it. Yeah, like I think, and I think what you're, what is cool, and I think I think what I'm hearing is you basically have created a system out of something that's kind of weird, which is <laughs> WWE characters or superheroes, but it works, right? It works for you. It may not say work for everyone out there or maybe a certain amount of people, but like you found a system that works for you that is allowing you to push the needle, so to speak, and do things outside of your comfort zone and get others to do the same thing as well. And I think, you know, for the listeners out there, find that system or, you know, that, you know, uh, that I want to call it like a comparable system that you can potentially emulate and incorporate into your life. Like for example, um, Steve Cam, he's the founder of Nerd Fitness. Um, yeah. Giving him a shout out because it's relevant. I just like shot him a couple of texts this morning to congratulate him <laughs> on his new book that came out a few days ago. And it's literally called Level Up Your Game. And the idea is he takes comic book heroes, movie um, characters, wrestlers, and uses them as examples of how you can achieve certain things in your life, like traveling around the world, being in better shape. Um, being a more dynamic conversationalist, uh, being more ca- charismatic. And if you can look at those those examples and, and understand the fact that they're not real, but they're supposed to portray a, a, a human character and try to incorporate whatever characteristics they have into your life, you could actually trick yourself into believing that these things are actually true and then they'll actually become reality if you behave, if they become a behavioral habit of yours. And hopefully you're, you guys are, are are on the same parallel as I am when I'm explaining this. I'm not sure if I'm. No, that's no. Like, Martin just nodded. He's like, uh, "What did you say in the nod?" But you were. Like, oh, I was just agreeing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, and I think it also, um, when you're pursuing these ideas that you actually enjoy pursuing, 
it gives you more things to talk about. One of the reasons that we're so scared, going back to the beginning of the conversation, one of the things in the back in the voice in your head is saying is you'll have nothing to talk about. Yeah. But if you actually embrace that you enjoy things and you try and talk about those things, sure, you're not going to be able to talk about WWE with every person you meet. But in, on those rare occasions when you oh, meet oh, someone, oh, what I do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I enforce it. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> you're going to listen to the people's elbow. Um, and so, like, but on the rare occasions you happen to get on a podcast with someone, you guys, you went off on that tangent, right? And you just really connected over it. And I think. Like we go on interviews, we go on things, and we try and say what pe- we expect people to think we're gonna say, what we think they are thinking we should say, yeah. and like it basically makes both sides just be very tense and not know what to do next. Versus um, the best conversations that happen are like I don't know when I went to C two E two and someone tried to argue with me about Batman versus Superman. And I just, I didn't even realize how much information I had in my head about that until I was halfway through the conversation, which is like, okay, maybe I should calm down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And a couple yeah. things on and that. I think, I had, oh, so, go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know, I think the, the, you know, what's even more powerful is when you prove yourself wrong and you allow yourself to interact with other people while you're proving yourself wrong, you're actually creating a space where others can do the same thing too, to your point. So they kind of realize, oh, like, I would have never expected this person would be into this kind of thing or likes that certain thing. Maybe I should reveal something about myself that they probably wouldn't expect that they, I would enjoy as well. Mm-hmm. And now you're creating this space where you all, you, both of you can be transparent and be vulnerable. And that's truly what I believe confidence is all about. Yes, yes. And, and I think on top of that, so to that and what Martin just said, it starts to when you do, you know, own these interests and and you know whatever it is, find that system that works for you. You it it becomes part of your entire identity. So like it's not just you feel like oh I can and maybe it starts with I can only explore this for this amount of time on this specific day, but then that over time becomes something like no no that's like something that I am referencing at all times or that is part of me. Like you know when we. We were at a networking event recently, and I was wearing a New Day shirt. Uh, yeah, you know, and for everyone listening, New Day is a little it's a, faction. It's a band. It's a little like Green Day band. <laughs> <laughs> New Day is a green. So they're a faction in WWE, which I think you would agree they're probably the most entertaining people out right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, so New Day, like my, I was wearing that with a blazer over it, but I had the blazer unbuttoned and. My shirt became the epicenter of conversation for probably in the three hours we were there, probably a solid hour in total. And it was like there were so many people like coming in, like looking at like my shirt and being like, wait. So and we, we couldn't figure out is the, the unicorn that they're riding on the T-shirt. Is he blind or is he like just wearing sunglasses and painting the rainbow that they're on? <laughs> and that's something that, you know, I actually remember like. Five, six years ago, you know, I had a Degeneration X shirt and a Heartbreak yeah. Kid Shawn Michaels shirt. And I was like, I put them in the back of my drawer because I was like, I don't want people seeing the little WWE shop tag at the bottom of the shirt. Because yeah. I was I didn't want people to be like, uh, you like wrestling? Yeah. And now I'm great. like, hell yeah. I, you better see this has a WWE shop tag at the bottom. Yeah. That's why no, I wear my Winnie yeah. the Pooh red shirt every day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was one other thing that you mentioned um, on the confidence aspect I'm trying to just remember um, 
uh, creating a creating a space that where two pe- where people can be transparent and vulnerable. And I, I felt like that was kind of the I, I believe personally that's the core of what confidence is. Yes, yes, absolutely, and that is something that I think. Um, so, like, just to take you as an example, right? Like, your job, the business you've created, is helping men get dates, correct, and and find love, right? Yes, yes, long term love. Yes, exactly. Not yeah. We're not talking short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as people call you, like the real life hitch. So. You're able to do that as someone who just admitted openly that you like Spider-Man and you like pro wrestling. And so, video games. And, and, yeah, and video <laughs> games, right? And yeah. how non-traditional is that? Like you would – the standard expectation is like, no, like you you drink scotch in a 40-story mansion and all this stuff. <laughs> but it's, it's you being comfortable enough in yourself and then it, that allows you to say, hey, guys – it's okay to be comfortable in who you are. You don't have to create a fake image of yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, and listen, you know, and listen. Full disclaimer: I don't go full on when I first meet someone. Throw these things at them, right? I, I, get, I allow them to get to know my personality. And once there's enough comfort there, then I kind of release the layers, so to speak, where I kind of add more intricate wrinkles to what they personally would believe would be the guy who drinks scotch and lays on his bare you know rug with the fireplace in the back while I'm holding a, a you know a, a falcon on my arm you know what I mean like <laughs> many leather bound books <laughs> yeah do you know what I mean like I think it's turning like an old spice commercial <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what I mean so it, yeah much to that surprise when they realize that I'm you know I have an Xbox One and you know I'm, I'm you know I'm playing video games you know almost every day and I have a good time you know, doing those kind of things it just adds more uh, personality and character. It's not, it's not definitive of who I am, per se, but it's just not something that I necessarily release right away. And I think it's just important to understand that you are who you are. And you should never hide those things. But I, think, I also think it's important to always always release your transparency in waves so people yes. can actually appreciate them as opposed to try to um, criticize them. Yeah, well, it's just like it's – I think in anything, you don't, you don't like word vomit up front. You don't – you know, you don't. So you don't. Saying, you don't read them an entire you're novel. You're saying my strategy of walking up with the Spider-Man sh- like silly string shooters and just shooting people—that's <laughs> not the right approach. Those were sweet when they came out. With <laughs> uh, those were amazing. Yeah, but but yeah, but for what you're saying, it's like it's really it's and to the permission thing and all that stuff. It's you are allowing yourself to even leave the breadcrumbs in the first place, and like that's what you're doing, right? Over time, you're you're giving them more and more breadcrumbs, but. You're comfortable enough to even throw the breadcrumbs down. Yeah. What video game are you playing right now? Um, right now, I'm still on uh, Grand Theft Auto and NBA 2K16. So, nice. um, but I do have Halo 5 and WWE 2K16. Nice. <laughs> um, I told the- myself I can't go to the next video game until I beat Bubble Bobble. So I'm still on <laughs> original Nintendo. It's been, it's been a few years. <laughs> well, I, th- I think what's really interesting about video games these days, and you know, as someone who actually wanted to be in the industry at the beginning, is we've seen an amazing transition from you know multiple small budget games and small shops to now huge budget, huge productions where we now have legitimate Academy Award actors doing the voiceovers or the the 3D imaging of of a lot of these games. And they're so immersive that I almost feel bad to not complete a game before I go on to the next one. And 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 that would never be the case when I was a little kid. I'd want every game and I'd want to play them all. But I, I think now we're in a transition where there's a lot of small shops creating more 
casual games. So if there's any game I'm actually playing right now more than X on more than any video game right now, it's Clash of Clans. <laughs> which, <laughs> which for me, like I never would have thought that I'd be that guy. But one of my best friends, um, who who you probably would never guess is one of the you know a clasher got me into it and now even the wife knows oh are you clashing right now and i'm like yeah i'm clashing so she even knows like when, I, when i'm on it so it's, it's it's really amazing how you know as a industry we're constantly evolving and sometimes we re- always revert back to what was working the entire time you know yeah yeah i and <laughs> just be careful not to spend like 10 grand in a day on those, those <laughs> app rpg games <laughs> well and we were we you were know, talking honestly, I, uh, go ahead i was gonna say uh, Honestly, I've only spent five dollars, and all my friends are like so impressed. And I'm like, dude, man, patience wins the game, man. Patience wins the game here. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's cool too because we were when we were in LA uh, at Tech Week, we were looking at all this. Um, that was the, where we met Tom. Yeah, yeah, that's where we met you, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they were showcasing all of like the you know really early stage VR, and we were just talking about like how. VR and video games and like already video games increase cognition, increase um, different skills, sk- different yeah. motor motor skills inside your brain, um, and can help with neuroplasticity and stuff. And like now we can add another layer to it of like social skills uh, through VR. And I'm just I don't know how far the because I'm not a gamer, so I don't know how far the industry has gone with that. But I'm just really curious to see how that that evolves in the future too. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I. I personally believe that I will be involved in the video game industry at some point in the future, and I would love to have an opportunity to be a part of that experience that you just described, where we can incorporate virtual reality in a simulation in a way where we can simulate how to develop better social skills. Because if you look about, if you look at other um, elements of mastery, I mean, pilots have been using flight simulators exactly. for right. generations. <laughs> you know what and I mean? you're talking data points. Like, how do you get tons and tons of data points? Yeah. Put yourself in a simulator and do it over and over again. Exactly. And, and, look, and think about um, surgeons. Surgeons mm-hmm. actually use video games to learn about how to handle certain incisions and how to peel back layers and how to perform certain stitches and certain operations. They actually do a lot more simulations before they actually work on cadavers. So it's just like when you think about these things, I mean, golf. Golf has amazing simulators. Like, exactly. There's, right. there's just so many things that we're now innovating upon that using technology. I feel like social skills has an opportunity to do that. And I think VR totally. is going to be a huge platform for that to happen. Totally. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap up here. Before This has been a wonderful conversation. Yeah, this is awesome. We're going to have more to talk about once we go off the air. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, Thomas, uh, where can our listeners find you and, and what are you working on? Yeah, so you can always go to my site. Uh, I'm at theprofessionalwingman.com. Um, if you have any questions for me, whether it's dating, social skills, lifestyle design, confidence, professional development, whatever it is, uh, you can always reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Thomas H. Edwards. Um, also, you can hit me up on Instagram where you can kind of see a behind-the-takes look of what it's like to be the professional wingman. <laughs> I'm at instagram.com slash yourwingman. So that's letter U letter R wingman. And honestly, like there's a lot of things I'm actually working on right now. Um, I'm working on a, an online group coaching program that, that is going to simulate all the pillars in which I work with my clients in person and kind of go over a uh, expedited experience. Um, I'm very excited about that. Uh, the release will be towards the end of the month-ish. 
Um, I'm, I'm also releasing a group coaching program for women that's actually in person where I teach groups of three women not only how to be more approachable and to bet quality matches better in real life, but to also teach how to be good wing women for their friends. And I think that's a very, very cool um, thing that hasn't been done before. And then other than that, I'm just always trying to look for the next great innovation when it comes to social skills development and confidence building. So um, if you're always interested in that, if you're ever interested in that kind of stuff, just come my way and, and look and see what I'm up to. And they can find you on Clash of Clans and <laughs> Xbox And your one. gamer profile is. <laughs> my, yeah, my gamer tag is RecklessX. All right. So you can up on Xbox One if you, if you feel like it. <laughs> How do you spell that? We'll put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. It's R-E-C-K-L-E-S-S-X. All right, All right. Sweet. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. So to close out the show now, we'll go one by one and give our answer to the question based on what we've discussed today. Martin, we'll start with you. Thomas, we will close with you. Uh, Martin, how do you prove yourself wrong? Uh, this is something that we haven't gotten super into in this conversation, but um, embracing the fact that you have opinions mm-hmm. on things and actually standing with your opinions, like still listen to people, still be able to have discussions and stuff, but don't negate your own opinions um, in order to just stay with the status quo. My answer for how do you prove yourself wrong is really taking a look at what's my reason for being here in the first place? Is that, am I putting a negative spin on it or a positive spin on it? If it's a negative spin, then look at why do I think that way and and build from there. Thomas, how do you prove yourself wrong? Uh, By trying to prove that the reality that you're seeing is indeed your act. Actuality. So what I mean by that is if you believe what you're seeing, what you're perceiving to be true, go and try and prove, prove to yourself that, that indeed it is real. Um, chances are what you believe, what you're perceiving is actually not going to be your actuality. Um, and so, so I think it's always important to understand that what you might think is there may not necessarily be there at all. And the only way to do that is by actually exploring it. So take that first risk by assuming that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Great. Thomas Edwards, thank you for coming on our podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. That wrapped up our conversation with Thomas Edwards, the professional wingman. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us. That was fun as hell. And I'm looking forward to seeing the things we respectively do in the near and far future, as well as potential ways we end up linking up down the road. You, the listener, did you enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes and subscribe to the show while you're at it. Ratings and reviews help more people find this show, which means the Discover Your Inner Awesome message spreads to your friends, your family, their friends, and their family. And we help more people. And at the end of the day, more people are discovering their inner awesome and creating change in this world. For information on finding Thomas and his work, as well as everything we referenced in this show, as well as the credits, take a look at the show notes available via the iTunes description, as well as on idealemon.com. That wraps up this episode of the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. Thank you again to Thomas Edwards for joining us. For Martin McGovern, I am Rajiv Nathan. We will see you on the next episode, but we're going to send you out with... 
Well, shout out to Thomas's wife, Lori Davis, who is a real-life Bailey from WWE NXT. So we're going to send you out with the Bailey theme song because it's fun as hell. Happy belated birthday to Lori. We'll see you next time. We out.